We realize there are relationship mentors all around us, all of the time, even when we're not looking for them. When we're paying attention to interactions outside of ourselves, we see examples in what others are doing of approaches we can choose to apply to damage or to enhance our relationship. That's the point of creating relationships by design. We're Dan and Carol Oler. We invite you to join us in this podcast called Mentoring Magic. Carol, we, I really enjoyed that birthday party we went to the other night. Mm, me too. Yeah, it was fun to go to, you know, a special cel birthday celebration. And there were some things that happened there that really got me thinking about this whole relationship deal and communication and the sort of the bigger impact that it has on. Okay, what was that? So first off, I'd love to talk about sort of what we saw, what we experienced, because that's kind of a vision for what can be mm. in a relation, you know, when you think about our home relationship. And then to go back a step to some of the crap that we've gone through and <laughs> that others go through, you know, the couples that we coach, we hear the similar stuff from them. Yeah. And then to sort of talk about some of the alternatives or some of the ways, the methods, the strategies to create that vision in a, in a daily way. Okay, cool. So it was a, something that I really noticed at this birthday party. There were some couples there, one couple in particular that had, I'm sure have been married for over 60 years. I don't know. Yeah, when I think about the age of their kids, yeah. probably. And what I noticed was as the part, they were sitting there, we were next to them. And as people were coming in the door and their family members, their sons, their daughter-in-laws, their grandkids came in and they would go directly to their table and they'd want to talk to them and sit right there even though we were there as well. I thought, wow, this is just amazing what they've done, how they've created their relationship in a way that their kids, their stepkids, their grandkids all love them, admire them, want to talk to them, want to be around them. Yeah, that was beautiful. And the idea that even, you know, at a, a function like that, there were a whole bunch of other people to go and sit with and talk to that I, I think about the, the one granddaughter in particular came you know, over made kind of a beeline for her grandparents. So that it was really cool. It's pretty neat to have their kids and grandkids want to be around them. Uh-huh. I remember when we were first young in our relationship and just had our boys were young, that was something that I, that I envisioned with that our, our kids would be, we'd still be their parents, but they would want to be around us. And thank goodness that's, we did the stuff that we did so that that's actually what happened. Mm -hmm. One of the other pieces that I noticed and, and I was processing was the sense of community and what I and we get out of being a part of a community. So bigger than just our family unit, which again, we're really fortunate to have. And bigger than that is, is the community of people around us and what I've learned and how I feel supported and yeah, what, how it adds to my life, how I was watching these people and being a part of the interactions was so fulfilling for me. It was a true testament to that model that we developed, that heart of relationships mm. where it starts at self and then at the couple and family and then out to community as well. So you know what, that is the vision. That's what I want to have for us when we get to be where we've been married for 60 or 70 or 80 years is to mm -hmm. have that similar kind of a thing. But it was not always that easy because I remember when when we were young in our relationship, I didn't necessarily see beyond, well, primarily beyond me, 
and, and you as well, that you were the article of blame. <laughs> well, and that's true. You know, when we were going through our real crap, you know, it seems like, and I, we hear this from couples we coach too, it seems like the vision kind of narrows and narrows and narrows to where we're not paying attention or even so aware of what's going on outside of us. But it's my mind, I remember my mind being stuck in what was going on for me and what was going on between me and you. And, you know, because it was a, a quagmire of crap and I wasn't able to see really much beyond that. And yet there's so much power if we can step back and look a little bit bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And when we are, were at our rockiest, community was one of the things I, I thought about if I left our relationship, I knew that I would lose community because where we were living, the people that we were associating with, a lot of them were your childhood friends, your family. And had I not remained there, that would have been a loss for me. So outside of our relationship ending, I recognized that my community may not be there to support me in the same way either. And so that was a motivating factor. I was aware of that at the time that, you know, we were questioning what was going on in our, our relationship. When we first got together, I didn't consciously think about that, that bigger impact mm -hmm. with family, community, friends, but it's gotta be a real challenge. And we've heard it from, you know, individuals that I've coached with where they've gone their separate ways and then it's like they feel like they've lost their identity because, yeah. you know, they, they, they're, who do they talk to? Who are their friends? Who is their community then? Absolutely. And where we were, you were fortunate because you were raised in a really strong family or strong community environment. And yet for me, it was less so. I, I'm still very fortunate. And yet it was less than what you and your family have and had and continue to have. And yet there are so many people that don't have those supports. And so sometimes that community can be such a grounding piece. And, and uh, that takes a development piece, too, to be a part of community in that way and to offer to others support and to receive support when we need it. We're very lucky. We've lived in rural communities most of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it's like living in a, a more urban center if there's a similar kind of community, but everywhere we've been, we've developed these really strong relationships. And gosh, I can't imagine, you know, allowing our relationship to get to a point where we had to, we decided to say goodbye and then what would happen beyond that? That would mm -hmm. be just devastating for me. Yeah, and I don't think it's an urban or a rural piece. I think it's about how much I have invested in community, that it's something I have chosen to value. And so I've put myself out there and we have worked to build community. And I think there are people both in both locations, you know, urban, rural, who maybe don't have that sense of community being there to be around them. And I think for some people, it's scary to reach out in that way if, if you're not, if you don't have that background. Mm, yeah. And so, you know, I think about these things and so, I also recognize the piece you talked about of blame, that in relationship we tend to blame our partner for what's going wrong. And I think that, you know, I've heard people say, oh, this community, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like they blame the community for not reaching out and welcoming them. And yet I do recognize that in life that I, I get what I give. And so if I'm 
putting out good vibes, I tend to get a certain amount of that back and the opposite is true as well. Mm. That relates to something else that I heard about recently from several different couples that we coach where you know they've been making gains. They really have seemed like they were really pulling their relationship together, developing some great communication strategies and sort of some identification and feeling good about themselves, that self-esteem piece. And then as time went on and they were, were doing their stuff and things triggered them, one or the other felt like they were doing all of the work, mm. but the other person wasn't holding up their end of the bargain. And, and you know, whether it's about what you just mentioned about blaming our partner, this is going to be the same thing where, yeah. where I, well, I remember times where I felt like I was you know, really moving ahead. I was reading some great books and, you know, I wanted to share some of this stuff with you and you happen to be tied up in other things. And I felt like you didn't really care. And so I you know, was doing all of these things to improve our relationship. And couldn't you see what I was doing to make it better for you? And I didn't feel like you were holding up your end of the bargain. I'm smiling because I maybe at a different time was experiencing something similar. <laughs> and so isn't it interesting how the human psyche sort of wants to go and say, well, you know, if, if Dan was just pulling his part, then we'd be fine or, or the opposite side of it. How will I know that, that I'm doing well? Well, Dan will be happier. Well, I don't have any control over you. Mm. I only have control over me. So as I think about that now, I and we are in a space where I know that I can work on myself and I can do things that help me to grow as a human being. And the results I get are when I just stop and check in and I feel how calming that is for me and how okay I am. And, and yes, I mean, when I'm doing things for and with you, there is a, a level of reciprocity where you, you know, just have a way of, of giving back. And yet my measurement is of my own success is not based on how you respond or react to what I'm doing. Because you can't control that. Anyway. No, I can't. Yeah. And so that's empowering for me to know that ah, I'm doing the best I can. This is what I'm working on. And I am committed to myself and my own personal growth. And I'm committed to our relational growth and health and well-being. And yet, if you don't feel the same way, if, if you don't feel that I'm pulling my weight, well, that's, that's where you are. It's not anything to do necessarily with what I'm doing. Mm. It reminds me of our good friend, Jay Facet. He wrote a book years ago, ago called Reframe the Blame. Mm. And um, you know where I feel I'm doing my part, but you're maybe not keeping up. He calls it a self-righteous victim. And it relates a whole lot to we talk about the dreaded drama triangle and you know, we get into that victim state and yet in the sort of a self-righteous victim where I think I'm doing all the work but you're not, it would be that I'm maybe acting from a different position but definitely stuck in that triangle. Hmm. I'd forgotten about that book and yet that's a really good point because in the times that I've felt like, you know, self-righteous, like I'm doing the work and why aren't you? It's from a victimhood and, and it's almost a rescuer position or, or something. And it's also persecuting as well because, you know, well, I'm blaming you for what's not right. And, oh, interesting. How do we, as Jay calls it, reframe the blame? Or how can we eliminate that where we can live without that 
blame. I think it would be much, much easier, better work. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what we started about for me, one of the things that we can do or I can do is to really appreciate. So yeah, you know, we had a, a 60th birthday party to go to and a month ago we had a 90th birthday party to go to and, and in being there, we're celebrating that individual and their life and yet do we have to wait for a whatever number birthday or do we have to wait till we've been married for, you know, 50 years or 75 years or whatever the number is? What would happen if I were, and I'm working on this, if I were better at embracing each of the moments in a great, grateful, we use the word celebration and yet it's not that per se. I mean, it's not lighting off fireworks or anything. It's about just being really having that attitude of gratitude. Yeah, it's kind of the, you used the word words a while ago about stopping to reflect and be grateful for what is and what we have. Mm -hmm. That's that's a hard step if I'm in a stuck inside of myself. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I recognize that and, and uh, I'm glad I'm not there, but I, I remember it. And it's... It can feel so overwhelming to feel like nothing's going right and why bother and, you know, it's, I can't do anything about it anyway. There, there was sort of a helpless, hopeless space. And so I really get when people are there. And yet I also am grateful that there is a way out, that it is just moment to moment changes of, you know, in this moment I can just take a breath. And right now we are getting a little bit of rain, which is much needed and something that, you know, we've had a lot of drought and so I can appreciate that. Mm. And just hearing the raindrops and focusing on that and maybe even later going out and splashing in a, a puddle or something. It, it can be something so simple. It doesn't have to be a great big cake and a, you know, a group of people getting together. And I think that it, our emotions are a huge part of this. That's why we're talking about these feelings. And yet we can't go from that state of hopelessness or helplessness no. to a state of gratitude and joy and happiness in all in one step, simply by putting on a rubber boots. Maybe we could. And yet to do those simple little steps that we move our, our emotions, our feelings from hopeless and helpless to maybe even a little bit ticked off and maybe even a little bit angry and to a little bit frustrated and to maybe a little okay. And then, you know, it's small little changes with, with each breath and with each mm -hmm. shift of our attitude. And to do just exactly what you've said, for me, what I think about is taking a breath and thinking about what would it be like if it were just a little bit less than whatever that, whether it was hopeless, what would be one step less than that and whether that's anger or you know ticked offness or some of the words that you used or whether it's something else but what would give me just a little bit of relief doesn't have to be fixed there's no magic wand just a baby step relief that's really what we're looking for is just mm -hmm. a little relief from what we're feeling now and even a space of like i feel incredibly joyful and grateful right now and so it's not like i'm looking for relief and yet I can still do things that help me to shift my attitude to be even a little, a little more fun, a little more great. Yeah, kind of kick it up a notch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, for me, it's just 
being really present and noticing. So noticing the people that were around us the other day, noticing what they do, because there are people that are modeling this for me all the time. And there, there are the great role models and they're the ones that are modeling something I don't want to experience. And so at a party like we were at, to sit back and to notice people's interactions and to think, oh, I love that. I could do more of that, whatever that is. Or, hmm, that's interesting. I just saw that happen. I want to start reducing how often I do that because I can see the impact it has. Mm. That's powerful that you bring that out, up, that sort of watch and learn, which is you know often a question that we use when we're coaching people is they'll want to you know, improve how they listen or how they communicate with somebody or whatever it is. And often our questions will be, you know, can you think about somebody or describe somebody that you know that is really, really good at that? And mm-hmm. then what do they do? And what are they, what are they, what might they be thinking? What might they be saying? What's their tone of voice? What's their body posture? All of those little bits that add into it. And then to just, you know, re- replicate that or do that. Yeah. And that's really what the self-help sort of industry promoted or promotes and was the idea of, you know, you could read a book, you could watch a video, you could take a course from somebody who had things kind of figured out a little bit in an area where I wanted to figure things out. And yet it doesn't have to be that prescriptive. It can be more in every day, you know, watching people in the mall and watching people at an event, thinking about, oh, how does, would so-and-so handle that, my coworker that really seems to do things well. And then to be willing to experiment with it because I may not be the same as that co-worker in all ways, but if I can use something that that person is doing that seems to work well for them and experiment with it, try it as well and see what kind of results I get. And if it works, keep doing it. If it doesn't, try something different. Yeah, or fine tune. It may not even be throw the baby out with the bathwater. It might be, oh, that didn't work exactly. So what can I slightly tweak about it? in order to give me a little bit different result. I think about you know, people in sports, even myself, you know, I'm not an amazing athlete or anything like that. And yet, you know, if I want to learn how to play, you know, recently we've been playing some pickleball. So what I do is watch people who are good at it and try to figure out what it is that they're doing. Or, you know, when we used to do a lot of downhill skiing to ride the chair hill and to watch somebody that's really an exceptional skier yeah. and see what are they doing? Where's their weight? How are they moving? Where are they planting their poles? Mm-hmm. And then to be able to just experiment and find my own way to do something similar. Mm-hmm. And that just took an awareness that A, you wanted to improve or you know have a different kind of experience and B, a, awareness to watch around you the people that were getting the results that you wanted. And yet I, until... You know, a few years ago, I hadn't really taken that same approach with people in communication in their relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is powerful to be able to step back, you know, be in a crowd, watch what's going on, notice people that are really seem to be having a good time, seem to be having those great relationships, and just really uh, identifying what it is that they do. Mm-hmm. And it really does boil down to that awareness piece, noticing what's going on in me, around me, and being intentional enough, being um, having the desire to really implement something new, which 
you know, any kind of changes or improvement takes takes some gumption, takes some get up and go to to make those changes and to be able to say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to it for a length of time. So the perseverance piece is part of it. I think it's even deeper than that. If I'm, if something's not working for me in our relationship and for me to think I want to do the change, really what I'm saying to myself is I'm failing or I'm not doing it well. So that's a, a, an underlying piece I think that mm. is, that I've had to really work hard to get over is that I can experiment with it it's working, maybe not the way I want. There's nothing wrong with me, but I can improve. And, and so, I can improve. And, yeah. And is that an honesty piece, or is that a vulnerability piece, or is it a combination of that, or something totally different? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, and realizing that what I'm doing is totally in my control. It has, has nothing to do with what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're saying, what the results I'm getting are totally up to me. Hmm. That's it. That's tough. That's big. <laughs> well, it is because knowing that I have the power to change my own life is empowering. And it also might be daunting because I think I'm somewhat addicted sometime to the drama cycle. And so it's easier to blame you for my results if I don't like my results than it is to say, What's my part in this? Or what, what might I do to take some ownership over this? Well, you can go ahead and blame me all you want. I've got broad shoulders. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't really enjoy that blame piece. I find it, you know, I, when I'm in that, I, I find it just depletes my energy. Sure. And so I don't want to stay there anymore. I'm tired of doing that. And I'm ready to be, you know, way more joyful and, and filled with, you know, a little skip in my step that's not the word you know but you know just kind of a little bit uh, of a, a levity absolutely and, and appreciating and enjoying every moment <clears throat> my grandpa was two weeks from 106 when he died so I'm probably going to live a long time too and yet I don't have I don't want to waste any moments mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that again when we coach you will ask sometimes when we notice that others are kind of stuck in the the muck and the guck and the whatever. The idea of, okay, well, how old are you? And, you know, how old do you think you're going to live to be? And so how many days, how many hours, how many minutes have you got left kind of thing? And how many of them do you want to waste? Yeah. And that's really a kind of an eye-opener because not that I will tell you exactly how old I'm going to live to, but I too feel like I'm going to live quite a number more years and yet I want every moment to be just so filled with love and joy and I want to be the kind of person that as you would mentioned earlier that my grandkids want to come and be around me my children want to be around me that people enjoy being in my space that they don't see me coming and walk to the other side of the sidewalk <laughs> There are those who brighten the room when they enter, and there are those who brighten the room when they leave. Yeah, and I want to be the first one, not the latter. <laughs> For me, this is really powerful to, to have gone to these birthday parties and to have seen those relationships and to keep that as a constant reminder of what our lives can be as we move down this path as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for me to be reflective, I think that... You know, there's there's power in that reflecting back and and not that I want to live in the past, 
however, to reflect upon what's worked for me, what have been some of my challenges, and how am I one intending to move forward? What what steps am I planning to take and am I am I committing to take to make a change? I think those are the key pieces there of of what are my forward steps. Mm. I don't think it does much good for me to go back and say, there's what happened. I wonder why it happened. Yes. I can't solve any of that. But what I can say is, I don't want to do that again. I want to experience, here's what I want to experience instead. And so I'm going to develop some strategies to move towards that. True, true. And I, I was thinking reflection from the standpoint of just noticing, not from a place of blame, but noticing what I appreciate and what went well and looking for the places that I could tweak and fine tune going forward. Mm -hmm. So that, and that's just a different frame of mind, I think. Yep. Like I'm not looking to go back to get wallowed down in the self-pity or the, the blame game that you were talking about, but to just go, oh, what is the learning and how, how can I apply that going forward to maybe do it just a little differently? Mm -hmm. And then to develop some kind of a reminder so that when the next situation happens, I remember to try that something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Thank so you. Really what we're talking about here is having that big vision of what our lives together, that high quality life together, our family lives, our community lives, mm -hmm. can and will be that really bright picture that we can see and hear and feel and taste and smell and touch. And then being, bringing that right back to you know, being aware of my feelings in particular and what's going on around me in each moment. Taking a, a moment once a day or a few times a day to reflect on what's going on, to be grateful for those great things and to be willing to experiment and uh, be grateful for that opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that whole ownership piece. This is my life and... What I get to experience is of my, within my control. It's not somebody else's fault or it's to no one else's credit that, you know, I experience what I experience. And so ah, to do what I can. So I can imagine these are some words from a brilliant person this morning that I was talking to who said this. <laughs> Thank you for sharing it with me. I wanted to repeat this because okay. this is what I can imagine. You said this. When I embrace love fully mm. and totally through my thoughts, my words, my actions, and coming from a place of wholeness, it enhances my quality of life with myself, with you, with my family, with community, with our world. Wow. That was powerful. That was pretty profound. Thank you for your wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing what happens when I look out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm imagining, to have all that happen. Mm, thank you for reflecting that back. I totally can imagine that. Thank you for our, this great conversation. Mm -hmm. I love you. I love you. <laughs>